How do I get up on the board my selections so that I can pick a different color than light green? One thing is don't do this. Don't keep it, do that. Keep, keep it, it flat. Like okay. You can lift it up. Right, but keep the thing flat. Okay. Uh, don't forget that, please. I think maybe the best thing to do is this. We'll go, uh, that didn't help. We're good at this. Sure, I'll just start. Okay. Well, un until I get that going, uh, just memorize everything I say. <laughs> well, we have, we have launched off, off a sequence here uh, in 2 Peter 3, in verse 17 and 18, where Peter ends his, his encouragement and his challenge and his desire to protect the body and protect believers. And he ends by telling us to, uh, to be wise in this battle. So if you'll turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, he ends this way. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that, that challenge and that reminder, that protection where he says, be on guard, fits then with the passage in Ephesians chapter 6, where, where Paul is telling us, recognize that we're in a battle, recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, and, and we talked about that and, and studied that together many times, but that we're building a mindset where we recognize the battle we're actually fighting is a spiritual battle. And then he tells us three times in that Ephesians 6 passage, verses 10 through 18, three times he tells us, stand firm. And it fits with be on your guard. It's not just be on your guard and then be an easy pushover. It's be on your guard and then get planted and firm so that you're able to push back against the enemy, you're able to defeat the enemy. But then he goes on to this, and he says, now, in order to be well prepared for this battle, put on the full armor of God. And he's not just talking allegory, as he's commanding us and encouraging us to put on the full armor of God. He's actually giving us specific truth so that each aspect of that armor matters. And we've gone through that armor. We won't review that. But he ends in verse 17 of Ephesians 6 by saying, and pick up and use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's what we've been looking at, looking at the past few Sundays um, because it's such a crucial component. In fact, ultimately, all the other portions of the armor of God depend on our understanding and belief and our, and our gathering out of the Word of God truths that apply to each aspect of that armor. 
So the Word of God is crucial to this battle. The Word of God is, is unavoidably crucial to this battle. And then we've gone to Psalm 119. And from Psalm 119, no, we're going to stay in Psalm 119. And from Psalm 119, we've been gathering a few things. We're looking here at basically nine through twenty-four to gather something, and we started last week talking about the fact that this passage calls us to both action and attitude. And I want to try to gather that real quick. Now I changed the font, or I changed the size of the print. Is that readable all the way in the back? It's a little bit harder. Is that a little better, or is that the same thing? That's the same. Okay. The top one. <laughs> okay, we'll see if that's going to do it. Okay, back back to that one. Okay. The up here, I like the thinner one, but that's not the point. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's right. What gets it out there? So we, we've already looked at this. So one of those actions was I have to keep this word. We talked about that. I, I won't review that. We talked about the fact that, that we're making a commitment in this word to not wander, which means that I, I don't just let it, I don't let it diminish out of neglect. And then we got to this, I treasure the word. And that feeds back to this, that treasuring the word allows me to defeat sin. And so again, that recognition that we're in a spiritual battle, and as I treasure the word, it's different than I simply know stuff from the word. And so that's why attitude matters just as much as, as, as action that he's saying, here's what brings power and growing effectiveness to my actions, is that I'm actually considering the things God teaches me as treasure. So I can treasure a variety of things, but for spiritual battle, I better be treasuring the Word. And it doesn't just mean I really love my Bible. It means the things God says have weight and value to me when I go into life. The things that God speaks to me make, make a difference to my choices, to my actions, to my attitudes. The Word of God, the things He says to me, make a difference in how I interpret things and how I face a moment. And that as I treasure the Word, I will now actually be equipped in using this sword to defeat the enemy. 
So again, part of the challenge for me, part of the challenge for each of you is how do we keep growing and treasuring the word? And that's actually a choice of pursuit. It's not measuring a feeling. Let me say that again. It's a choice of a pursuit. It's not measuring a feeling. So just yesterday, I, I had a young believer telling me, she said, well, you know, I don't feel like I value some of the things of God. Well, that's good to know. It's good to recognize that that feeling is there. And then, her, but her, her false belief was, and since that feeling's not there, I can't grow until that feeling shows up. That feeling, and, and all of us contend with this in spiritual battle, the feeling isn't what God is saying to change. I treasure something, but I, what I do with it. So I could have a warm feeling for something and then leave it out in the rain to rot. And somebody could say, why did you leave that, that, that precious, valuable, expensive tool out in the yard and in the rain to rot? Yeah, I don't know. I really treasure that tool. No, I don't. I have a warm, fuzzy feeling about it. Because if I treasured it, I would protect it. If I treasured it, I would put it in its proper place. If I treasured it, I would take care of it. And that's the part where you and I have authority to say, Father, how would I act in treasuring your word? And one of the main things that matters is I go to your word. If I'm going to treasure your word, I don't just see my Bible up there on the shelf and I just have this, just this godly, holy, wonderful, warm feeling for my Bible sitting on the shelf. And I trust that none of you settle for that. Go ahead and have the warm feeling about your Bible. I love my Bible. It's been with me through a lot of things. And, and it, if I ever lost it, I would have a lot of things to recover. But the physical book isn't what he's talking about that I go to hear him speak because we're in a love relationship. So the technical title of this series is Deeper in Love, Wiser in Battle. And Jesus said this. He says, if you love me, in John, in John 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So Jesus is tying loving him to my treasuring of the word so that it changes my choices, so that it changes my attitudes, so it changes my practical priorities. And I could be real honest with Jesus and recognize, wow, in this particular moment, I can't bring a lot of feeling to this obedience. And he would still say, then obey me just because you love me, not because you feel like it. I know I've said this before. How many, how many folks here would, would, when you were parents, if you've been parents in the past, or your parents now, or you anticipate being parents, would, would actually say to your child, now, you need to go in there and clean your room. But wait, 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 wait. Before you get started cleaning your room, only clean your room if you really feel like it. <laughs> because I don't want to raise a hypocrite. No, we'd say... Get in there, click, well, maybe in a more gentle voice. Get in there and clean your room. And I will be delighted that you obeyed me, even if you tell me the truth and say, Daddy, I didn't really want to clean my room. I just cleaned it to obey you. That will be treasure between us. 
And it, and it would be something that I would literally treasure to hear my, my child, my daughter say, I obeyed you just because I love you, not because I have warm, fuzzy feelings about cleaning bedrooms. And so Jesus is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Treasure this word and treasure it by what you do with it, not just by a feeling. And in fact, you can grow in treasuring it while the feeling's not there because of what you choose to do with it. And he goes on and he says, in uh, verse 12, he says, teach. Teach me your statues. And statutes, not statues. And obviously, part of what this means is that I'm coming with a teachable mindset. And, and I've known, I'd say, two or three believers through the years that I actually very deeply respected them in, in one level. But what I recognized was they are geniuses about the, the knowledge of Scripture they know things I will take decades to learn. And they don't have a loving attitude. They're proud of their knowledge. And, and they look down on people who don't have the same knowledge. And part of what I would say is, then that's not the real thing. Doesn't mean they're not believers. But that's not what he's talking about for teachable. Jesus, bring me more facts. Help me understand more doctrines. Help me know a little bit more than anybody else knows. That's not what he's talking about. Teachable means show me how to apply more and more and more of what you say back into my life. A five-year-old can be more teachable than a 75-year-old Bible scholar. And you know that. And so that's the, that's the teachable mindset and, and as David writes this psalm, when he's saying, when he's praying, you teach me, what he's actually saying is, I'm coming with a teachable spirit because I'm ready both to learn and then apply what you teach me. And every one of us can recognize this. We're not finished growing. There's nobody who can say, well, although I actually do hear Christians sometimes say this, I already learned that lesson. No, you didn't. You got through third grade on that lesson. You got through sixth grade. You maybe got through high school on that lesson. But there will always be more of every truth that God wants us to learn. So part of this teachable mindset means I don't put a limit on God and say, that's all I want to learn about that lesson. Let's get on to something else. And very frequently, actually, through the years, I've heard somebody say, well, I already learned the lesson of trusting God through suffering, so we don't need to use suffering anymore. Right, God? Well, guess what? Suffering's a part of life. There will always be more to learn about trusting God through suffering. There will always be more to learn about joyful giving. There will always be more to learn about wisely submitting my spiritual gifts to the control of the Holy Spirit. There will always be more to learn about everything God's trying to teach you and I so that I don't put a limit on God and say, I've got all I need of that. This teachable, this teachable mindset means let's just keep going. Father, if you've got more to share with me, I'm ready to pick it up. And he goes on to say, I have rejoiced. And actually, I'm putting it over here, but that one could go in both categories. Because rejoice means, again, I'm celebrating the things God tells me. Now, and I've heard many of you do this. 
But what I, what I believe God's trying to encourage us to do is to do it more intentionally, to do it more thoughtfully, that when you, go, you and I go into the Word of God and He shows us something, and it might be something He's shown us before, and He's just reminding us. Or He's showing us a new thing or connecting a new thing, that we would actually have a father-son, father-daughter moment of saying, Father, I want to celebrate the truth you have just shown me. And again, the reason it would fit in both categories is because if I'm really rejoicing over this truth, the very next thing in our father-son, father-daughter conversation is, Father, so how do you want me to apply this? I want a treasure that you've spoken to me. How do you want me to apply this? He goes on and he says this, I will meditate. We've talked about this word periodically. Meditate. Did I get it right? Yeah, okay. That in the Hebrew, the meditate, the word meditate means so much more than simply pondering the meaning of something. It includes that. But it almost carries with it a, a, a really proactive analytical process that then leads to application because it means I take this truth apart. I try to see the pieces of this truth. I try to see how this truth shows me more of the character of God. I try to see how this truth will now apply to my marriage or my friendships or my ministry or my illness or my health or my wealth or my deprivation. I try to see how will this truth apply. I don't just meditate on it as a collection of meaningful words. I meditate on how I can take it apart and carry the pieces of it into my life and how something richer grows between God and I. One of the things that is really true about so many passages of Scripture, that we can, we can meditate on them and right at the surface, we get something valuable. And, and I bet, again, I know many of you have experienced this. And then at another time or another situation, you meditate on the exact same passage. It's not different. The words haven't changed. But now you're struggling with something in your marriage, or you're struggling with something in your health or your finances, or, or now you're seeking to, to launch something new in ministry while you're pondering that, and suddenly there is a new layer, a beautiful new layer of comfort or challenge or application out of the very passage that you have read and studied and pondered with God multitudes of times. That's possible in the Word of God because this is a living, thinking conversation between you and an active father. And that's why meditating is never done. That's why I can never say, I've analyzed that passage and gotten everything out of it because the very next day, my life itself may require that I will get something different out of that passage. I keep taking it apart to see how it applies. And he goes on to say this, I will delight. And this fits with rejoice. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget. So the delight again fits with treasuring and rejoicing. I'm not going to spend a lot right now, but, but the not forget is a real practical thing. There are probably two main ways you and I could commit to not forget the teachings of God. One is to memorize Scripture. And, and I feel, I could be wrong, but I feel like the church as a whole, and I don't mean Grace Bible Fellowship, I mean the, the American, 
the Western culture of Christianity has diminished the value of, me of memorizing Scripture. I am really encouraging and challenging and pleading that for you and I in this fellowship, we would be a minute, we would be a fellowship that memorizes the Word of God. And some of you are really gifted for memorization. And you can read a passage three times and it's nailed down. I was once that guy. Now I wander into the room four times to figure out why I'm there. But, but Scripture is worth memorizing whether it comes easy or whether it takes a lot of review. And actually, there's profit in that. If somebody else goes over it three times and memorizes it, and you and I have to go over it 20 times to memorize it, that's not wasted time. Good grief. That's conversation. That's a love conversation that he treasures with us is, you thought what I said was important enough to review it 20 times? So now it's portable and it goes with you wherever you go? So I would encourage you, and, I would, and I'm encouraging myself, that whatever your level of memorization, that part of your conversation with God would be, Father, would it be wise for me to memorize more? Just to memorize more. Maybe to memorize, if you're, if you're memorizing one verse a month, maybe one verse a week. If you're memorizing one verse a week, maybe a three or four verse passage a week. And it's not so that you can brag that you've got more stuff memorized. It's so that the sword is more readily accessible to you in battle. Literally for that purpose. And the battle is all across the range. Father, when I'm fighting a battle for discouragement... I want to memorize things that will encourage me. When I'm fighting a battle with temptation to sin, I want to memorize passages that strengthen me to defeat the areas of sin to which I'm vulnerable. That I'm well prepared for that specific battle. And whatever it is that I'm preparing for, that I'm gathering ammunition. Now, and I'm not going to ask this, but what I know is every time I'm in counseling with somebody who's struggling in their life, Almost always, not always, but almost always, there's some avoidance of the Word of God during that time of trouble. And that's strange. And I, I remember that in, in both my time in the occult and all the darkness that went with that five and a half years. But then even after that, when I was really walking with God, but then I had a real hard year of depression and discouragement, that I avoided the Word of God and I avoided fellowship with believers when it was the very thing I most needed. And the enemy works on that foolishness with us so that when we're weak, when we're discouraged, when we're deprived, the enemy tries to pull us away from the very nourishment we need most. So that if I'm not going to forget your Word, I memorize it. The other thing, which is real obvious, is I review it frequently. So if, somebody, if, if there was somebody in this congregation that said, you know what, I've tried memorizing the Word of God. It just never works. I, I memorize it, and then three days later, I've tried to review it, and it's gone. Well, lucky you, because part of what God's saying is, you just get to keep reviewing it for the rest of your life. So it's not that now you're deprived. Just frequently review those passages that are helpful for your growth, that are helpful for your battle. Keep practicing the, the, the sword that is usable for you in your life and battles. 
So it's okay to say, I'm not really good at memorizing and it won't help me much. Then go to frequent reminders. Memorize so that the reminder goes with you, and if you can't memorize, go back frequently for the reminder. Now, but that's also where our fellowship matters. Uh, I bet many of you have experienced this. Uh, in fact, I feel like I was just talking with somebody about this recently. But it seems like there are times when even if I don't have the time or, I, or I'm too busy or I'm distracted or I'm actually doing something good that God has called me to, but right at that moment, I'm not in the Word of God, but my heart needs a reminder. It amazes me how frequently God uses some, actually quite frequently, somebody in this room or somebody at home or somebody in my circle of, of fellowship uh, in Round Rock or Austin or Cedar Park, somebody will remind me of a passage that's exactly what my heart needed to hear. So your fellowship with Bible-believing Christians really matters. Your avoidance of fellowship with Bible-believing Christians will really be damaging and weakening. So the, keeping the sword active isn't just about me. It's making sure I'm with other warriors that remind me of the sword that I possess. And he goes on and he says, again, keep your word. But he also says this. He says, open my eyes. And again, this is a request. This is a request of God. Father, I'm asking you to show me things I couldn't see without you showing me them. So I don't want this. Oh, well, I'll just do it. Uh, how many people here would say you have definitely experienced a moment where God showed you something in Scripture that you had not seen before on your own. Okay. Practically every hand went up. And that recognition that the words didn't change. It wasn't like while you were sleeping, God snuck in and wrote a little extra line there. But the Spirit speaking to your spirit said, I'm going to show you something you haven't seen before. And it will be exactly what your spirit and heart needed to hear today. Again, that's about a love relationship. That's a father seeing your battle and saying, I can help you with this battle. That's a father seeing your discouragement and your weakness and saying, I have exactly the resource you need for your encouragement or for your strength. But he also says this, I'm going to behold wonderful things. When you open my eyes, I'm going to behold wonderful things. And as your hands went up, and I, and I saw, actually, as your hands were going up, I wish you could have been up here and seen it. Because your hands were going up, I saw a lot of smiles just instantly appear on people's faces. So whatever that thing you were remembering where you go, oh, yeah, I remember that time. That's something that you, again, you treasure. So that God's saying, I'm not just showing you that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I'm showing you that E equals MC squared, so you have nuclear power for the battle. Isn't that wonderful? And that when you, when you see that insight, and he shows you things from the Word, and, and you know I'm beholding this because your Spirit spoke it to me, we get to treasure that with him and say, Father, this is wonderful. And it doesn't mean if I went and shared it, and I, and I know this has happened. I bet this has happened. I know it's happened to me. Where God shows me something wonderful and I go share it with somebody. 
hey, this really cool thing, and, and look, look what God says. And, and they go, yeah. Yeah, I already knew that was there. Okay. Um, they may not be blown away the way I was because it was personal for my moment. It was personal for my day or my battle, and that's okay. They don't have to get excited or, or pretend false excitement to, to confirm that what I'm looking at is wonderful. But it was wonderful for me. And that's where those smiles came up. And he goes on and he says this, my soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances. What an attitude for us to grow. I remember reading, and I don't remember if this is Richard Wormbrandt. Um, he was the guy who started, uh, what's the magazine? Martyrs. Pardon? Voice of the Martyrs. Yes, Voice of the Martyrs. And he started that out of his own many, many years of persecution. So he wasn't just sitting in a big church somewhere in Dallas and he decided to start that ministry. He got out of prison being persecuted for being a believer and started that ministry. Thank you. Oops. We'll find out what order it goes in. Um, I don't even know how I did that. I have a gift with electronics. Not that way. I have no clue what I did. Are you serious? I broke it? Okay. Let's go with longing. Um, the, the recognition that part of what he's saying is that I so enjoy the conversation with God that we develop this attitude, Father, I'm looking forward to the next conversation. And it doesn't just mean prayer. So prayer is, a, is an absolutely crucial and true component of my conversation with God. But this longing means, and Father, I'm literally longing to hear the next thing you have to say to me because I know I need it. I know it will be wonderful. I know it will be treasure. I know it will be strength. Is it truly dead? Oh, thank you. You've relieved me of so much guilt. <laughs> but whenever, whenever I'm at home with Carrie and we're doing something and I have a pen in my hand, she says, Reg, put the pen down until you're ready to write because I dismantle pens at home. I, I literally, at work, everywhere. Uh, I will try to refrain from that here. Or we could just weld it shut. Uh, Face, just face reality, okay. Um, but this recognition that God is saying, please look forward to the next conversation. And again, part of it for you and I is, I could just look at myself and look inward and go, yeah, I don't have that feeling. I guess I'm not one of the Christians who have that feeling. And we could let it end there because we looked for a feeling and didn't find it. 
And again, part of what I would encourage you to do is that you turn, if you are aware that there's not a longing, that you and I would turn that into an actual conversation with God and say, Father, I know that you desire that I would long to hear from you. I really want to ponder what is at the core, what, what makes someone long for the next conversation with you. I want to comprehend more and more why that matters to my life. I want to comprehend more and more how my life is deprived of power or hope or joy if I'm not hearing from you. I want to comprehend more and more that I am not equipped. Back to John 15, 5, when Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, that he really means it. And that I'm smart enough, spiritually smart enough to say, then I need to keep coming for more of you And that's buried in your word. That intimacy is buried in your word. So I long for what you're going to accomplish in me. So again, if if you're looking at at your current time in the word, meditation, memorization, Bible study, going to a Bible study, doing a devotion in the morning, whatever you're looking at, that you would see that as a good, and I mean good, as a good beginning place for growth in longing for more of his word. And he goes on to this. He says, I observe, and that's the same thing as keep. Look at that beautiful writing. I observe, I keep, I do what you say. He says again, your servant meditates on your statutes. They are my delight again. But he ends with this. And again, I think it fits in both categories. I take the things you speak as my counselors. Now, in the the passage that was read for us this morning, uh, Mark read for us another passage out of Psalm 119 a little bit later. And out of that passage where, where David says, I keep pursuing this word even when princes try to talk me out of it. Even when princes... When people of authority and power and wealth would try to dissuade me from from your word, I stay focused on living out your word. Now, most of us don't have princes calling us out and, and trying to get us to turn away from the word. We just have friends. We have circumstances. We have enemies. We have all kinds of voices around us, including in our culture, and sadly, sometimes even within the church, that are telling us to sway away from the word. And what he's saying in calling everything that God says now becomes my counselor, is that I I picture that table, and we've talked about that before. I picture this table, my table of, of advisors. I have a decision to make. I have a choice to make in this moment. And I will always have a table of advisors, but that I'm learning to recognize them and identify them on purpose. And as much as I hate to say it, one voice, at least at that table, will always be the enemy. The enemy will always be there with a voice. He he has not left the planet yet. And so that recognition, when I'm trying to make a decision, one voice, uninvited but present, will be the voice of the enemy. But there may be a whole range of other voices aligned with his voice. Friends and family or culture or history or upbringing that are also speaking a lie. 
And then I get to decide, but I want a whole array of, of advisors, people I trust, people that love God, love the word, and that I'm recognizing that at the, at the decision end of the table, I'm at the deciding, but at the wisdom and, and lordship end of the table, I have put Jesus Christ and everything he says so that I can say every word out of Jesus' mouth through this word is my main advisor. The voice of my Lord trumps every other voice. And in fact, I learned to trust other voices if more and more and more over time, I recognize, you know what? Their voice so frequently agrees with Jesus' voice. Their words very frequently remind me of Jesus' words. That, that can become a trusted advisor in my life. And many of you have those trusted advisors that you can recognize they frequently, frequently, maybe even every time they've spoken, they end up agreeing with God. That's a good advisor. But the, the central counselor he's calling us to is that I go to the word of God and that has authority over every other voice and every other counselor that I listen to. So again, we're not talking about are you failing in the word or are you a, a, a rousing success? But, but the challenge that God is saying is please ponder what it takes to grow in these attitudes and these actions. That we keep it. We observe it. We, we listen expecting to hear things from God that will fire us up and equip us to defeat the enemy. So several weeks it, it always seems like this is a real frequent thing. Please look ahead to the week ahead. Please look ahead to the week ahead. That's very eloquent. You should write that down. That you're looking ahead with the recognition, can I anticipate some of the main ways the enemy will, will seek to defeat me? Can I already anticipate some of the main ways the enemy will be trying to pull me into sin or pull me into pride or pull me into discouragement or defeat? Can I already anticipate some of the people or situations that will test my faith or test my, my steadfastness? Can I already anticipate some of those battles? Then why would I wait till that moment to gather truth? Father, let's start gathering truth now for the battles that I can expect to face. So again, that there's a longing to hear from him and I'm actively picking up the sword, ready to proactively do battle. And that gets to be just a peaceful calling for you and I. Not out of guilt, not out of shame, not because someone's going to embarrass us if we don't, but because we are wise sons and daughters of God, and we long for our full equipping to defeat the enemy in battle. Let's pray together. Father God, I do thank you that you are the living God and you have things to say to us. And Father, this word, parts of it written 2,000 years ago, Father, other parts written 500 and 300 and 700 and 1,200 and 1,400 years before that. And actually things you've spoken since the creation recorded for us in this word. And yet part of your promise, Father, is that this is a living word. That this is you, the God of the universe, taking time and opportunity and love to speak to us. And your heart's desire is that we would love you back by listening. That we would go deeper into loving you back by listening deeper and more.
And then lo and behold, Father, that while we listen to you, we are strengthened to defeat the enemy. That we're strengthened to protect our faith against every onslaught, every false teaching. We're strengthened to be discouraged and slide into neglect, to lose our steadfastness. So, Father, I pray for myself, and I pray for each one of us, that we would just, in simple but firm ways, we would be on guard, we would stand firm, and we would go deeper on purpose into this word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.